You know, we've been looking at uh, the spiritual significance of Christmas. You know, and a lot of times when we look at Christmas passages, it's, we're looking at Matthew and, and Luke, and, and those passages are usually natural circumstances, nat- things that happen in the, the natural. But there is, there's many things that happen in the spiritual. And, and when we only look at the natural things that happen, we can miss the spiritual things that, that were happening, that were being accomplished. And, and what it means to us living almost 2,000 years after Jesus Christ. Two weeks ago we seen that Jesus was the Word and the Word became flesh. We've seen how He, he fulfilled prophecy of the Messiah and the purpose of those prophecies, the reason why those prophecies um, pointed to Jesus and what was actually being accomplished through Jesus Christ and what they meant. And today we're going to be looking at some Old Testament types and shadows and we're going to see the true fulfillment of those types in the, that are found in Jesus Christ. And, and, and uh, also, it's found in us. So, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says, Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. God is going to give a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. You know, I guess that's a prophecy right there. Right? You're either going to hit it or you're going to miss it. I mean, how would you like to be that prophet that the Lord says, there's going to be a child born and it's going to be born of a virgin? That, that, that would take faith to speak, speak that out because that has never happened before and guess what? It's never happened since. Right? So, so G, uh, Mary was the first vir- virgin to have an immaculate conception and uh, there won't be a second. So um, it goes on to say, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and you shall call his name Emmanuel. His name shall be called Emmanuel. Everyone knows what that means, right? Yes, it means God with us. God with us. Now we might know what Emmanuel means. We might know the definition of what Emmanuel means. But what does it mean to us? What does it mean 2,000 years after the cross? What, what did it mean for God to be with humanity? And we understand that, that the way that God was with humanity was through what? Jesus Christ. Right? This is what Jesus came to show us. God with us. God with mankind. Look at what the Gospel of John says. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was God with mankind. God was with mankind. See, this separates Jesus Christ from all other religious leaders around the world. Even, even though Jesus is not a, not a religious leader. Do you know that? Jesus is not a religious leader. Christianity is not a religion. True Christianity is not a religion. Right? It's, it's a relationship with God Almighty. It's, it's a family. The family. The family of God. And, and every leader around the world, every religious leader that made up some type of religion... They never said, I am God in the flesh. Right? Only Jesus is the only one to say, I am God 
in the flesh. The Word became flesh and it dwelt among us. That, see that word, Word, in verse 14? It's a capital, right? So it's, all, it's saying that, that, that it's talking about Jesus Christ, the eternal Word of God, right? Jesus Christ, a member of the Godhead, the Word became flesh and it dwelt among us. Another word I want to point out here is that word dwelt. See that word dwelt? That is the same Greek word translated tabernacle. So the word became flesh and it tabernacled among us. It tabernacled among us. Does, does that word sound familiar? Tabernacle. Does that sound familiar to any, anyone here? What, what does it make you think of? It makes, it makes you think of what? The Old Testament tabernacle, right? I wonder if there's anything that that was pointing to. That Old Testament tabernacle. If that pointed to anything. We're going to see today. Jesus Christ came as a human being and tabernacled among us and we beheld His glory, God's glory, Jesus' glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was the tabernacle. Jesus is the tabernacle. Jesus Christ came and tabernacled among us. Jesus came and became God's tabernacle in the earth. The presence of God was inside the physical tent of His flesh. Right? Jesus was God's tent in the earth. In the same way God was in the shadow or the type of the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Let's look at that, that, that tabernacle in the Old Testament. How it points to the spiritual truths that are only found in Jesus. The tabernacle was found in the wilderness for 40 years as the children of Israel wandered in unbelief. It had an outer court. It had an inner court. And it had the Holy of Holies. Jesus had the Spirit of God. He had a soul. And He had a body. The body is the outer court. The soul is the inner court where the sacrifices need to be made. See, that's, that's, your pro, that's our problem. We don't want to sacrifice our soul, our wants, our wills, our, our desires to the will of God. And then he, then he had a spirit. Right? What was wonderful about Jesus is all three of those spirit, soul, and body were in perfect harmony. They were in perfect harmony. And that's God's desire for us, for us to walk in perfect harmony in who we are in our born-again spirit. Amen? Yes. The tabernacle was found in the wilderness and, and it had an outer court, inner, inner court, and the holy of holies. It was covered with animal skins on the outside. And the, and the treasures that they took from Egypt, or actually they were flushed upon them by the Egyptians, um, was used and melted down to make the different ornaments and um, utensils inside the tabernacle for sac sacrifices and worship. Um, and this was where the presence of God was. God has always desired to be with His people. From the very beginning, he walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. 
His desire has always been towards you. Unfortunately, humanity's desire has not always been towards Him. God has always come looking for you. You, you did not find God. God found you. God is desiring to dwell with you. They could actually, if you read Scripture, the Israelites could actually stand back and they could see the glory of God. Scripture tells us that the glory cloud was above the tabernacle itself, right above the Holy of Holies, where the Lord's presence was over the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant. Picture this. Jesus was not only God in the flesh, He was God living inside of flesh for us. Jesus was the tabernacle, the tent of God, and lived for 33 years. Jesus is the true tabernacle of God. Hebrews chapter 9 and 10 are dedicated to the tabernacle, the the furnishings and all the different things that um, represent the personal ministry of Jesus Christ on the earth. I suggest when you get a chance, go back and read Hebrews chapter 9 and 10 and see how it applies to who Jesus is and his ministry to, to, the, to humanity, to the church. Right? One of the things that's interesting about the, uh, the Old Testament tabernacle is that the children of Israel were not allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. Right? They literally had bells on their, the bottom of the high priest's robe. So when they went into the Holy of Holies once a year for the atoning sacrifice for the nation, that they could hear them in there. And Jewish tradition tells us this, not, not the Bible, but they said that eventually they ended up tying a rope onto the high priest's ankle so that when he went in there, if he, if he screwed up, if he was unholy in his proceedings, he, if he dropped down dead, they'd pull him out by that rope. Right? Can you imagine that? Now, now I want you to think about something. Can you imagine if there was a way that we could get in a time machine and go back to that? To see that? See the, see the Shekinah glory of God over the, over the tabernacle? See the sacrifices happening? See, maybe you're there at the Day of the Atonement and the high priest is doing all of this ceremonial cleansing and, he, and he's going in with fear and trembling into, into the very sanctuary, the Holy of Holies of God. Where God is seated above the Ark of the Covenant between the cherubim. Wouldn't you want to know what was going on inside that Holy of Holies? Do you know that if we were able to do that, you could walk right in? You could walk right in. You could grab that Ark of the Covenant. You could put it underneath. Well, you couldn't fit it on your arm, but you could grab it. And carry it out. Do you know that? See, we got to get a revelation of who we are in Christ. You have been made the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have been made holy. You have been been sanctified. Do you understand that? You, you. We're going to get to this. You have become the dwelling place of God. 
You are, you are the holy of holies. In your born again spirit, you are, you are holy. You are pure. You are one with God Almighty. See, we read that and we still are in fear and trembling. Man, I, I, I sure wouldn't want to touch that Ark of the Covenant. If you're born again, you can open it up and look inside. It ain't going to be like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Because you're holy. You're righteous in Christ Jesus. Thank God we don't live back then, right? We live now under a better covenant, right? With better promises, right? So we're going to continue. We're going to look at this Old Testament tabernacle and see how it foreshadowed Jesus Christ. Unlike the temple of of God, the tabernacle was only used for a short time during the wilderness and the reign of David. The temple was built in Solomon's reign and and the tabernacle, after the temple was built, was never used again, right? The tabernacle was temporary. The temple was permanent. The true temple was permanent. The tabernacle in the wilderness was a type of Jesus' earthly ministry. Like Jesus, it was present for less than 40 years. The tabernacle was used in the wilderness. Right? And this was a type of the world's condition. When Jesus showed up on earth, Israel was under the control of the Romans and under control of the of religious bondage. Religious, ultra-religious um, strongholds over their, over their life. And they needed a Joshua. They needed a Joshua to take them out of the wilderness and into the promised land. You understand that? We needed a Joshua. Humanity is in a wilderness. Apart from Jesus, we are in a wilderness. We have no purpose in life. We have no hope in the world. And we need a Joshua to deliver us from the kingdom of darkness and deliver us into the kingdom of light. To deliver us into the promised land. And that's how Israel was. And a Joshua showed up. When Jesus came and, 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 and tabernacled among men, it was to tell them and tell us there's a better day coming. There's a better day coming. He was going to take us into the promised land, into the kingdom of God. Another thing about the Old Testament tabernacle, that it was, it was called the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting. If an Israelite wanted to meet God, he came to the door of the tabernacle. Many times Moses, he, he went when he faced opposition from the people and pressures from enemies. Look at Exodus 25:22. It says, there I will meet with you. This is God speaking to, to Moses. There I will meet with you and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the testimony about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of of Israel. Jesus, Jesus is now the meeting place between God and man. Jesus is how we meet God, meet with God. Look at John chapter 14, verse 6. It says, 
Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Just like the tabernacle that no one can meet with God unless they went to the tabernacle, no one can meet with God today unless they come to Jesus Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. Right? He is the life. Amen? Not only that, Jesus is the mediator between God and man. Look at this in 1 Timothy 2.5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, men, the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus is the one <laughs> that is our mediator between us and the Father. Do you know what that means? That means Jesus is constantly making intercession for us. He is constantly um, representing us. That's why God sees us through Jesus, because he, he is the representation for all humanity. Right? Not only was Jesus our mediator, but he is our intercessor. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost. Amen. Don't you love that word, uttermost? You've been saved to the uttermost. There's nothing, there's, there's nothing to disqualify you. There's, nothing, there's nothing, no shame, there's no guilt from the past. He saved you from the uttermost. That means he saved you from your past, he saved you from your present, and he saved you from your future. Amen. Those who come to God through him, through who? Jesus. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is always praying to the Father. Jesus is always worshiping. Jesus is always representing humanity. In Christ Jesus, he is making intercession for you. If you feel like no one's on your side, no one's praying for you, no one cares about your situation, that's a lie. Jesus is. Jesus is always praying. He's always interceding for you. And that's good news. And Jesus' prayers get answered. Start putting your faith in Jesus and see your situation turned around. On top of that, Numbers 12, uh, chapter 2, verse 17 tells us the tabernacle was in the center of Israel's camp in the wilderness. It was in the, in the center of all the tribes. It almost looked like a cross if you drew it out on a, on a piece of paper. Um, Jesus, was at, Jesus is the center of the plan of God and his plan for salvation, right? Jesus is the center of God's ministry in the earth. Jesus is the center of God's will today, right? For all mankind to find salvation and for each Christian to find purpose in their life, it's always centered in Jesus Christ. That's why at Karis New Testament Church, we talk about Jesus. We, we, it, I'm not going to go down. There's a lot of things that take your, your focus off Jesus. There's a lot of things. Religious things. There's a lot of teachings. I'm telling you, if, teach, the, if teachings or doctrines or things that you, that you are, are hearing that, that, that tingle our itching ear and our, and our flesh, right? Because you, your flesh is flesh. I don't care if it's dressed up in religious actions. It's still flesh. If it takes your focus off from Jesus, you are being led astray. The whole entire Bible is about Jesus. Right? And we are to be about Jesus. 
And guess what Jesus is about? Us. That's awesome. Right? He's making intercession for you. I don't know. Maybe I just, I'm happy. (laughs) But Jesus is the center. Jesus is the center of everything today. Just like the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Um, the first set of the tablets. You know, when, Jesus, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the Israelites have already sinned against God, they made a golden calf. I love Aaron's uh, explanation of what happened. It says, we threw this gold in the fire and a calf popped out. You know, you know it, just, it, just, it just appeared, you know. But uh, when Moses came down, do you remember what happened? He, he threw the tablets of stone with the Ten Commandments down. And and they shattered, right? The second um, the second set that Moses had to make himself was put in the ark of the, of the tabernacle. Was put in the ark of the covenant, right? That just shows us that man broke the law first. And Moses broke the tablets, and Jesus is the law fulfilled and kept. Amen. The tabernacle was placed where the law was preserved. The law was preserved inside of Jesus. How is the law kept? In Jesus. You, apart from Jesus, you can't keep the law. The law is only kept in Jesus. It's preserved in Jesus. He was the tabernacle. He was the Ark of the Covenant. He came and tabernacled among us. Inside of Him, the law was kept perfectly. In Psalms chapter 40, verse 7 and 8, it foretells this. It says, Then I said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do Your will, O my God, and Your law is within my heart. Jesus Himself says, I have come to do Your will. I have come to fulfill the law. And Jesus says, I have come to fill it to every jot, every tittle. And only in His death, burial, and resurrection was this accomplished. One of the last things that Jesus said when He was on the cross was, it is finished. And a lot of people interpret that to mean that when He said it is finished, that redemption for humanity was finished. No, redemption for humanity was not finished at the cross. Jesus had to go to the grave. Jesus had to raise again and ascend to heaven and be seated at the right hand of the Father. Then redemption was made for humanity. So what was He saying when He says, it is finished? He was saying that every requirement found in the Old Covenant, in the law, in the sacrifices, everything that 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 was was my goodness I, everything that was not de- was demanded from the law was fu- was completed and fulfilled in Christ Jesus and the law is finished that covenant is finished right amen the tabernacle was a place where sacrifices were made Only in Jesus is our sacrifice made. Every sacrifice made in the Old Testament was was fulfilled in Jesus. When His body was beaten, nailed to the cross, His body was made for Him so 
he could die for us. That's the reason why he came. He came so that he could die for us. Jesus' blood is the only permanent solution for men's sins. All the Old Testament animals, their, their blood was a temporary appeasing to God for the law, but Jesus came and once and for all paid the wage of sin with his own servant life. That's so awesome. Jesus died for you, not so that you could die for him, but so that you could live. So that you could live. So that you could live for him. Amen? All, remember that what Jesus said to the Father just before he came to, into the world? Remember we, talk, we talked about this about two weeks ago? Um, Hebrews 10, 5 and 6. That, that Jesus had a conversation with the Father just before he came to the earth. And he said, therefore, when he came into the world, so when did he come in the world? On Christmas. We know that Christmas isn't December 25th, right? It's the day that we celebrate remembering that Jesus came into the world. He said to, to the Father, Jesus said to the Father, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Jesus came to be the fulfilling sacrifice for all of humanity. Jesus is the place where sacrifice is made for us. Amen? The tabernacle was where the high priest's family was fed. Leviticus chapter 6 and verse 16 says that the remainder of it, all, of it shall Aaron and his sons eat with unleavened bread. It shall be eaten in the holy place the court of the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall eat it there. Jesus is not only Savior, He's also the bread of life. Jesus is also the bread of life. He's where we come to fellowship with the Word of God. Jesus, who is the Word, is to be eaten daily. All, believe, all believers, there, there's no other place that we get spiritual food other than Jesus. Amen? The tabernacle is a place of worship. From the tabernacle was the place of the congregation, the priest and the high priest. They came to worship God. Right? They came together at the tabernacle. From the door of the tabernacle, God spoke to the Israelites and the leaders of Israel. From the tabernacle of Jesus, the church can come and hear God. We are one through Jesus Christ. We have been saved by, the, by His blood. Of Jesus Christ. And now we can worship Him. It's through Jesus we offer praise and worship to our God. Hebrews 13.15 tells us, Therefore, by Him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, it says, For through Him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Jesus is our focus of worship. Another thing that people don't realize is that the Old Testament tabernacle was not permanent. It wasn't permanent. It was replaced. The Old Testament tabernacle was replaced. Do you know what it was replaced with? What was the Old Testament tabernacle replaced with? The temple. 
Right? The Old Testament tabernacle was replaced with a temple. Do you know that Jesus, the tabernacle of God, was not permanent? He, he, he is not still on the earth. We, we still don't go to Jesus on the earth to meet with God. God's presence is not in the flesh of Jesus Christ on the earth any longer. That tabernacle, His earthly tabernacle, was not permanent. Right? He is no longer walking in the flesh on the earth as a place of God's presence. He is seated with God at the right hand of God. Why? Because the tabernacle was never God's main objective. The tabernacle was never God's main objective. It was temporary while in the wilderness until people came into the promised land. Until humanity was brought into the promised land. Listen to us. Listen to us. Listen to me. Humanity has been brought into the promised land. You might be still living in fear and not enjoying all the benefits of the promised land, but we're all in it. Jesus has saved humanity single-handedly. He has, he has conquered Satan single-handedly. And you can either keep living in denial or you can walk in the freedom of His grace and the kingdom of God and the realities thereof. We are in the promised land. Amen? See, once, the, once in the promised land, a temple was built. Do you know that this too was completed in Christ? In John chapter 14, verse 16, listen to this. And I will pray the Father and He will give you another helper that He may abide in you for forever. 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 The temple is forever. A spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because they neither sees Him or knows Him. But you know Him for He dwells with you. Holy Spirit is dwelling with them right now. God is dwelling with them right now. But there's something different that's going to happen. He's not going to be just dwelling with them. He's going to be in them. Jesus, Jesus is basically saying, I am the tabernacle. There's a temple coming and you're going to be the temple of God Himself. His Holy Spirit will come and live in you. The Holy Spirit who is with you shall be in you. He, this had never happened before. You know, the disciples, they had been thinking, in us? What does that mean? He's going to live in us? We've never heard of such a thing. But this is exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Do you not know? Do you know this, church? Do you know this? This is a question. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you? He does not say that you're the tabernacle. You are the temple. You are the permanent residence of Holy Spirit. You, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. You are not a temporary tabernacle of God. You are a permanent dwelling place of God forever and ever and ever. Amen. You are the temple of God. Look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 6.16. 6, 
For you are the temple of the living God. There is no other temple. There is no temple to be built in Jerusalem that is going to house the presence of God. You are the temple of God. You are the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. You are the very temple of the living God. And God dwells in you. And I will walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you see how that just plays out in the Old Testament? How the Old Testament was just a pattern foreshadowing everything that we, that, of the realities that we would have in Christ Jesus. In the Old Testament, it was things in the physical. In the New Testament, it's things in the spiritual. Right? That's awesome. When you were born again, you became the temple of the living God, the permanent dwelling place of God. God dwelt among men in Jesus, but came permanently to dwell in us, the church, and that's the glory of it all. That's the glory of Christmas. That's what it's all about. Right? Jesus came to earth not to get men to God, but to get God into men. The tabernacle with the furnishings, its rituals, are a type and shadow of the life, the death, the present day resurrection ministry of Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus became the tabernacle of God so that you could become the temple of God. That's the glory of Emmanuel. That's the wonder of Christmas. Yes, it's true that the Word became flesh and dwelt among them. But now, we have become spirit so that the Word may dwell in us. You are the dwelling place of God. You are so much more. You are so much more than how you see yourself. You need to see yourself in the Word. You need to see yourself in what God's, who God says you are. The new creation realities in Christ Jesus. All the cares that we have in this world will melt away when we see ourselves as we truly are in Christ. You, you're beautiful. Yes, you are. You are beautiful. Because you were recreated, the Bible says. Recreated. To recreate something means to totally do away with something old and recreate it brand new. You were recreated into the righteousness of Christ Jesus. You were recreated. You are one spirit with Him. These aren't things that we just say religiously. These are things that have to get into our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, and transform who we are. This will transform your marriages. This will transform your relationship with your children. You know, one of the things... Me, <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't... We every year I tr we go Christmas shopping. Me and my girls, for Amanda, we go Christmas shopping, and uh, my kids do stuff sometimes. They don't even know what the, what they're doing when they when they do it. But uh, we were on our way. We were in the car, and Chloe FaceTimes Charity. She FaceTimes Charity, and she says. 
How's it feel? And Charity's working. She's at Walmart working and, and uh, out in Colorado. And she goes, what do you mean? She goes, I'm going shopping with Dad and you're not. <laughs> and, and she, because last year, she was out there, right? And, and, and she got all, all jealous on putting things on Facebook and stuff like that. But just that right there. I'm with I'm with dad I, I'm going with dad and you're not. I mean what that does 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 to a father. And and you have a heavenly father. You have a heavenly father that that desires that type of relationship with you. All right? I, I'm spending time with my father and you're not <laughs> <laughs> you're not. I mean, you see people in the world and stuff like that, and it's, you know, sometimes the church can be intimidated by unbelievers, and I don't understand that. We can be intimidated by unbelievers, and we, we should say, hey, I'm, I'm spending time with my Father, and, and you're not. God is so good, and He, he just desires... He desires to spend time with you. He desires to dwell in you, to walk in you, to be your God, your Father. And at Christmas, we need to come into this remembrance that yes, Jesus came in a manger. And there's so many things that we can talk about the manger, right? And and the humbleness of it all. But the true picture of, of it all is Jesus came in the flesh to tabernacle among us for one purpose and one purpose only, so that He could then live in us. And that will transform your life. That will radically change your whole view of life. That will give you a very Merry Christmas. Amen? Amen. Let's let's pray. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karis.com.